What's up, everybody? This is Andrew May. You are listening to Story and Growth. I'm here with my co-host, Katie May. Hey, hey. We are here today to talk about connecting to your partner. We are here to shoot the shit and be real. If that sounds like something you're into, let's go. Last week, we chatted about connecting to yourself, and this week, we wanted to chat about connecting to your partner. And so, Katie and I have been married for coming up on 15 years in May. So, like three in, weeks. In a couple out. weeks, yeah. And we've weeks. been together for 19 years. That's disgusting. <laughs> That's far too long. <laughs> well, we got a long ride to go, baby. We got a long way to go. Uh, yeah. So, how have we stayed together that long and how have we like made strides in our growth in our relationship with each other? I think there's a number of factors and a number of things that are going to come up today. So uh, for me, one thing is just being really deliberate and intentional. So what that has looked like is just, uh, you know, with COVID specifically, we had to be really intentional about dating because dating was kind of taken off the table there for a bit. And uh, so something really intentional that we're doing this year is taking a trip out to Joshua Tree, California and heading over to Utah as well. We're going to do Zion and Bryce Canyon and maybe the North Rim of the Grand Canyon. So Uh, But we're also, it's not just a a trip, like a 15 year anniversary trip. It's also an intentional time. Katie and I are going to kind of uh, redo our vows and have a ceremony of sorts with just the two of us to where we're able to do something that's a little bit more meaningful to us. Our, Our wedding, we got married so young. And I think that that meant a lot to Andrew and Katie from that era, but it doesn't mean as much to our current Andrew and Katie selves. Well, I think, I think we've talked about this a little bit before and one that we are really different people than when we got married. And two, I think we talked about this with the, maybe the affair episode or maybe the grief episode. I don't remember when we brought this up, but it's almost like our initial marriage died And we have had the opportunity to rebuild a marriage that actually feels more aligned and true to who we are now. And so I think the way I'm looking at sort of this time to go and renew our vows and really just celebrate our time together is like a new chapter, a new beginning, a new recommitment to this marriage that we're focusing on and building. Yeah. And I think that's important to do maybe annually. I think that's a good practice to have. Uh, It doesn't have to be as extravagant as what we're doing this year, but I do think that if, you know, once, once a year around the time that you, it's your anniversary, just setting new intentions for your marriage. Like we, we do that whenever we have a full moon, we do the, or is it new moon? Both. I thought oh, we let go. We new, let go for new moon is the intention, like new intention. High, highly intention setting time. Yeah. So we do that with the new moon. And I think it's good to do just annually with your relationship to kind of 
take an inventory of what's working, what's not working and how you want to set new intentions for the new year that is to come for your relationship. Um, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think anything that can become like a ritual for anything really is super powerful. I I've started to really realize, I think we've talked about this before and we still have not really done it, but you know, when, when we were talking about our miscarriage and honoring that story, both the child that we named story and the story of that loss, we had talked about doing some sort of ritual, but I think there's ritual in every, like there can be ritual in everything. I think that's why I feel so connected to the moon right now, because it's a reminder, essentially like a built in ritual a couple of times a month to reconnect and really be intentional about your energy and your intentions and what you're carrying with you. And even in just like us as a family focusing on that in the last couple of months, I feel like we feel more connected because we are actually creating ritual to show up and appreciate where each of our family members are in their lives. Yeah. I think another thing that's cool about the moon is the consistency of it. It's just a very consistent thing. You can always rely on what the phases are going to be and and when it's going to show up in what ways. Now you can't always control whether you see the moon or not because of the weather and whatnot, but it's always there. And so I think our relationships, it's a good analogy. It's a good way to relate to our relationships because if, if, you don't remain consistent in your relationship. The relationship's still there, but you have to be willing to uh, consistently show up for the other person consistently, you know, have words of affirmation or affection, or how can I help you? How can I support you right now? I think support's a really big thing that you need to be doing for one another, supporting each other individually and then supporting, you know, the, the marriage, the relationship. And so like what strategies or what things do you feel like are helpful to best support your partner? I mean, I think it really starts with communication. I mean, you have to, first of all, be able to communicate about what's important to each of you and what your needs are in that relationship. And I think something that I've learned about connecting and really cultivating a relationship that feels genuine and aligned with who I want to be is, you know, kind of back to what we talked about last week. First of all, you need to connect to yourself so that you know what you need. And, and two, so you can really look and see what, what can I actually give myself and not need this partner for And then what do I actually need from this partner, right? I think when we first got married, I had this notion that you were supposed to like fill all the voids. (laughs) And I think you felt that for a while. I don't know how you feel now. And if I'm showing up differently in our marriage, I don't think we've really talked about this like in this way. But when we first got married, I, because of some of that like conservative mindset, 
it was like the man is the head of the household. He is, you know, supposed to provide for you in this, this, and this way. And you're the woman of the house. So you're supposed to provide for him in this, this, this way. And I think I realized for us, at least that is not really how, like, that wasn't really helpful. Like it was putting a lot of pressure on both of us to, maybe show up and do things that we didn't even really know where we were being asked to do. So it created a lot of confusion and a lot of expectations that were broken and a lot of resentment on my part. I think, I don't know how you would look at that, but yeah, I think that we, with our Christian background, we had these very predetermined roles for ourselves of you're the woman, therefore you are the helper because that that's, you know, what women are (laughs) biblically (laughs) is the helper. Like that's what Eve's role was. She was, uh, that's why God created Eve. He was like, you know, man shouldn't be alone. So, uh, I'll create for you a helper. So the story goes. Yeah. So, um, you know, don't want to harp on that too much, but I, I think that it pigeonholes you into, uh, and can pressure you into, I'm the helper and uh, I've got to look to my big strong man for uh, him to be the spiritual leader and the force behind everything that, you know, is spiritual within our household. And so that's that's the female side, but the male side is this very big pressure of, it's all on your shoulders, dude. You're going to have some help from your partner, but you're responsible for, uh, whether the marriage fails or succeeds, you're responsible for whether, you know, uh, you're being a good spiritual leader and you're, um, well, there's the whole financial, like you should financially provide. And I think we are moving away from that more and more. And yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of pressure on both sides, right? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, those were the roles. I mean, for me as a male, like that is the pressure that I felt. Uh, And then, you know, there was a lot of growing pains. I would say that first year of marriage, like sex was not, sex was like a little bit more work than what I had anticipated it was going to be. And actually marriage was more work than I had anticipated it was going to be. So I was at an elopement yesterday. I'm, I'm at weddings and I'm at elopements a lot. Cause that's what I do for a living is photograph events like that. But, uh, something that the officiant said yesterday was falling in love is easy. Like it's effortless to fall in love. And that is so true because I do, sometimes I reflect back on our relationship and what it was. And I'm like, man, we don't have that anymore. Like it just was so easy whenever we were 17, 18, 20, like it just felt effortless because you're in the process of falling in love with this person. And it it's not hard. It's, it's very easy to show up your best for someone whenever you really want to you know, wow them. And, and, uh, when you're getting to know someone in that way, and then once you've kind of like learned people and and you have been with someone for as long as we've been together, I think you, some of that, uh, tends to fall away a little bit. So something else that he said with that was, you know, 
falling in love is the easy part, but staying in love and continuing to choose each other. And, uh, as you move forward in your marriage is the challenge. It's the, it's, it's work. Actually, people think it's not, and it, it really is work. And I don't mean that to say like, if, if your relationship's not hard, then you're not doing it right. Or if it's still very easy, then, you know, there's something wrong with your relationship. Like some people just don't have as hard a time, but I think you and I have had a lot of big life events. We've had a lot of things happen. We've had a lot of past trauma, a lot of, um, I don't know, just very specific ways of thinking about things. And we've evolved, you know, not to say we've evolved for the better. I think some people would say like, you kind of devolved, but (laughs) who knows really? Like, I, I think people constantly evolve and change. Evolve just means change like over time. And so we have changed a lot over the time period that we've been together. And so I would say that, you know, that, that first year was, difficult too. I felt pressure of just even like wanting to go hang out with friends and feeling like that wasn't, you know, allowed. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I was needy as fuck. Okay. We can, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I can say that now. It's Andrew's nervous laugh. Because <laughs> I realized probably in the last couple of years, you know, how needy I really was. Yeah. And, you know, I think I'm not saying like, I've, you know, I think we've talked about this before with the affair too. It's like, yes, you made that choice and it's not my fault that you had an affair. But when I think about like, there was just a lot of pressure. I was really needy. You didn't know how to give me what I need. You couldn't have given me everything I need. Right. And so it was, it was just the perfect storm. And I think we've talked about how to your wounds and my wounds sometimes just are the perfect, like they just amplify each other. Yeah. You know, like they're kind of magnetic in the sense that they're like, in the not the good way. Yeah. They're, they're like opposites and they attract and they're magnetic, but once they Basically touch, they implode. A dumpster fire. Yeah. yeah. So I think we, we've had so much to work through and, I think, like you said, everybody's story is unique and everybody's challenges are unique. And some people may go through marriage and they're like, this is not that hard. This is easy. Other people, it's like a daily struggle and, you know, it feels kind of suffocating. I think the point that I'm trying to say here is, and I think what I've started to say and maybe cut my own self off was Connecting to yourself first so that you know what you need. And if you can fulfill your own needs, not that you don't need someone else, but like the more you can fulfill and stand on your own feet for certain things, the better. And then your partner coming in being an addition to your life, not somebody that you need to fulfill every desire and every need. It's my therapist described it as creating this, um, it's like a flow of interdependence. It's like, you're not independent of each other completely, but you're not codependent on each other. And so you're, you need each other, but you're also able to stand in your own power as well. And then you can weave that together to create more of a beautiful flow in your relationship. Mm. 
Yeah. I just had a realization that essentially for, since the time I was like probably 15, four, no 14, really, I'd always had like a partner quote unquote. And like I had girlfriends and stuff growing up too. Like I I've typically was like with someone. And so sometimes I view myself as like a weak man. <laughs> and I think, you know, uh, just being honest, like sometimes I, I see myself in that light. And I think that that stems from just lacking independence, you know, lacking there, there ever really being a time in the last 20 years where I was able to kind of explore and figure things out for myself and mm. not rely on someone else to fill in the gaps. So, yeah, I don't really know what to do with that, but I mean, I would say I'm similar. Yeah. I mean, I pretty much had boyfriends all through high school and then we met and then we dated and then we got married. I mean, I don't think, I think it's common that a lot of people in our generation, I mean, I think the younger generation below us, they're more, much more like not needing to be attached. <laughs> and I wonder, like, this is a thought that came to my head. Like, uh, you know, our generation is more like the latchkey kids. Like maybe we didn't form like healthy attachments to our parents. So we're like attaching ourselves. I don't know. I'm not trying to like psychoanalyze people, but maybe we attach to other people to try to fill that void and what's now happened. And maybe we're realizing as we're having this conversation is we've, we never really knew how to stand completely on our own without someone else. Yeah. That's tricky. Cause like, where does that leave you to, to figure that out? I think, I mean, I think what we've been doing and I mean, what I feel like I've been doing in the last bit is, is trying to individuate a little bit. And I feel like you've also tried to individuate from me, mm -hmm. which at times has felt like maybe us pulling away from each other a little bit. But I think the beauty of that and what I feel like we're kind of doing now is trying to figure out like, where do these two individuals fit together. And I mean, and we're a damn good team. Like we get shit done. We communicate well. I mean, I think for the most part, like we are a really good team. I think sometimes where we struggle is more into that intimacy, sexuality piece, like that pleasure, fun piece together. Mm -hmm. Cause we're like a well-oiled machine, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, in the day to day, at least I feel like we are. Like we, we plan well, we, you know, we're, we don't live in chaos. Like we know pretty much what's going on. I think sometimes where our shadow might be is in that fun, connective intimacy piece. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I've definitely felt the struggle with the intimacy side. And so like sex was definitely something that I wanted to talk about and intimacy and sex are not synonyms necessarily. Like I kind of want to be clear on that. No, but sex is a form of intimacy. Right? Yeah. It's a part of an intimate sexual relationship, I guess. Yeah. And we've even struggled there. I think we've been pretty open and honest about that. Uh, you know, and I think some of that stems from not discovering our, you know, I, 
everything that we're talking about today makes me feel like a lot of it comes back to you not discovering things for yourself before being able to, like Mm -hmm. you're trying to work through all this shit with some other human being when you haven't even worked through it with yourself. So like take me with my sexual journey and my sexuality and just being this hypersexual kid who like has a lot of fantasies and, and things like that. And then being told that that's all wrong and immoral and you've got to settle down and put it all into this one person forever and then take you and your, you know, stuff where I, I feel like it's been stifled for you. I feel like Mm -hmm. you've never been able to explore your sexuality, which is why I like, get excited when you pleasure yourself or get excited when that, you know, that you did a a boudoir session. I get excited when you are able to sense your own sensuality and sexuality and feel empowered by it because I don't know, for me, it makes me feel somewhat powerful or it makes me feel good to be like stimulated in that way, you know, mm-hmm. and to take ownership of it. I think that's the the bigger piece is to take ownership of your sexuality. And I don't know that either one of us did that independently because for me, it was always no, no, no. And for you, it was also no, no, no. Like mine was this hypersexual thing and yours was this just unspoken, like that's not what women of the church do. Or women. I mean, I, I don't even know. I think just culturally, even outside of Christianity, it's not really well looked upon for women to masturbate. Like, I think we're starting to see more expansion into people speaking out and being like, no, absolutely. Like you should learn to pleasure yourself and not even just physically, but I've been, I've been like really connecting to a lot around like play and, and pleasure. And it doesn't have to be even sexual pleasure, but just like being okay, making ourselves feel good. Right. Like, I think we get so, and this can be male or female. I feel like our culture overall with pleasure is like, well, you can have pleasure, but not too much. And really life should just be a struggle. So there's not a lot of room to have pleasure. I call bullshit on that. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a lie and life actually shouldn't be hard. We make it hard sometimes and we don't allow, like we block pleasure. We like, For example, I mean, I'm starting to really, this sounds really woo, but to see the magic in just like the birds singing or the trees growing new buds or the river rushing or, you know, a butterfly landing on a flower, like seeing the magic and the pleasure that our earth contains has helped me to connect to the fact that, oh, okay. I'm made to experience pleasure. My body is a part of that. My sin, all of my senses are a part of that, like smells, tastes, um, you know, sights, sounds, like all of those things are a part of a human, human experience for a reason. And I don't think we were ever taught how to like really engage in the pleasure of this body as our vessel not even as a sexual thing, but just in general. Yeah. Just in ways of like letting go 
and being, being in a moment, being in nature. Uh, and I don't think it's woo at all. I think that sometimes you say that because of our background, that doesn't sound woo to me in the slightest to, you know, want to connect with nature or with, you know, I mean, why else would God create such beauty? Right. Right. Why else would, if we want to talk about God, like creator source, whatever, why else would God create our bodies to feel pleasure? Yeah. And so experiencing all the senses, and I think that that can be an intimate thing. I think that you can experience intimacy just with nature and with life in general. And like, I had a funny example that came up yesterday of you're right. What we do is we, in those moments, I don't know that it's ego. I think it's, uh, it's something maybe we'll get to it of that says, no, don't do that. No, no, that's weird. We block ourselves or something internally blocks us. Yeah. And I even had a inner dialogue. So I was at the gas station gassing up and they were blasting. Girls just want to have fun. And I felt like (laughs) I really wanted to dance and just start lip syncing to that song right there at the, at the gas station. And there were like some other people around and you know, that, you know, when thoughts come into your mind and it's like, you should do that. And I immediately was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then I was like, but really like you want to do that right now. Like that would be fun and you would enjoy that. It would be free. You'd feel so free. Yeah. And I was like, no, I hear you, but I'm not. And I just didn't. And I, I want to be the person who dances to girls just want to have fun at the gas station and lip syncs and yeah. And really just not give a shit whether the the thing is though, is that you think that other people are going to look at it and think it's dumb or make fun of you or whatever, but probably 95% of the time someone else sees that and they're like, holy shit, like. I want to be like that. I want to be that free. And you know, like going to work and being like, dude, I saw this guy and he was like dancing at the gas station. I mean, you know, it's like it brought joy to their day. Yeah. yeah. If you think about like the mattress guy or the guy with the pizza sign, who's like flipping the shit and like dancing and being crazy, you get more, you feed off of that energy more than you do the person who's just holding the sign and kind of like, Buy a a $5 pizza, you know, like I'm probably not going to buy the pizza either way, but I really enjoyed watching the guy flipping the sign and, you know, just going over the top dancing for an hour straight with a sign. So, you know. Yeah. So what, like, cause I think about this with kids, like they don't care. They just do it. Like our kids, like would just bust out like singing or dancing. What, when, when do we lose that? Middle school. (laughs) for me (laughs) middle school man and like the pressure of conforming conformity is huge I think just there's so much pressure there to just be like cool and to not be into like you're growing up you're 12 now you're you're 13 you're getting pubes (laughs) like yeah you gotta yeah it's it's so weird and so I think we front a lot in that way and then once we start to lose it, it's, it's almost like a muscle. It's like you've had that muscle your whole life. And then once you 
quit doing it, then it's harder to like get that muscle back. And the thing is, is it takes practice. So if you haven't, if you haven't gone to the gym in forever, those first few times going back, it's awkward. It's harder. It's a lot harder to get back into the, the movement and the rhythm and the momentum of like, okay. And like, I don't know what I'm doing and all of those things. And so I, I do think around middle school is when it happened for me. And I, you know, how do we get it back? So how do we get it back? Jesus. <laughs> Maybe for some people. I mean, uh, yeah, I could see that. That's how I got it back for a minute. For real. Like that's, that's really how I, I got it back. And like no fucking joke. Like last night on the way home, I was listening to Shane and Shane, which is like a Christian Christian band and I was fucking singing every lyric of still in there. It's still there. There's it's like still hope. all the, all the, the stuff that stays in your brain. But that was the thing that I was <laughs> like, Oh, <laughs> you are the maker, the life sustainer, all, all of those lyrics. Like it was, so let me like ask, what was your connection to wanting to listen to that last night? Like what came up for you? I was tired and I wanted energy and I do feel like Jesus energy is, is, is good energy. Honestly, because it's source energy. I'm just going to say that's how I view it now. Like it's the same energy in Jesus is the same energy we all can, in my opinion, access. Sure. And so I think that there is that type of energy in those songs Mm. Whether the lyrics are dumb, like I care about R2 and Yahoo and things that are fleeting and fading, like, yeah, that's kind of a dumb lyric, but I fucking sang it and I was like just into it uh, and it helped me to get home, you know, because otherwise I would have just listened to a podcast or done something else and been pretty tired. Um, and so I think for me, it's just getting into that energy space, regardless of what it is. And like I said, I think Jesus energy is, it's a strong energy. Yeah. I agree about, I mean, sure. Jesus. I also agree. It's a practice and you feel kind of dumb at first, especially if you're doing it in public, like trying to connect back to that, like intimacy. I think that's really ultimate intimacy with yourself, with your source energy. Like in what I keep hearing when you're talking about this is like, you're essentially raising your vibration when you just lay it out with some girls just want to have fun or you jump around and dance to a song or you, you know, feel so free that you just like lay down in the grass and, you know, soak up the sun or whatever. I, I like it's to me, it's because you're connecting to your creation source. Yeah. Yeah. And I felt that. And I do think that that is the number one thing that kept me in Christianity for so long. It's the thing that I is attractive about Christianity for me. It's just some of the other stuff that just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, you know? Yeah. So I think, so we were talking about this because of we've, we've intimacy. gone like way <laughs> far away from the topic of the day and well, I'm okay with well, that. We haven't, we haven't Yeah, because I think what, how this connects back to like connecting to your partner is 
if you're raising your vibration in yourself, it's going to essentially raise your vibration with your partner. Like if you're low vibing in your own life, you can't really come into your relationship with high vibes. But if you're connected to yourself and you're vibing high, I mean, your partner might be like, what the fuck is happening over here? But they're either going to get on board or they're not. And then it's kind of like, you know, where they stand and then you might have bigger issues to work through, but at least, you know, but if you're vibing and they're like, okay, I can get up with that vibe. Then you're like vibing together and it feels really synchronous and really good to be in that space. I mean, not that you're always, always going to be like high and up in the world, but if you can find ways to raise your vibe individually, it's going to collectively raise the vibe of the people around you, right? It's the whole concept of like your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah. I feel like there's, there's caution to be had there too, in the sense that if, if your partner is vibing a lot higher than you are, I think for me that happened whenever you came back from rise business the first time and you were like fucking dancing and doing like crazy stuff, crazy energy stuff that I was like, who is this? Like, who is this person really? And I think if we can bring it back to communication as well, if you're able to communicate to me why your energy is so high, because sometimes you can look at someone who's behaving in that way and just kind of you think you know them or you, you, you think of them in a certain way. And then all of a sudden their energy has just gotten this big shift. And maybe there's jealousy there too. Like, wait, why do you get the secret or why do you get the sauce whenever I feel like I want to understand that too, but is that what it looks like? Cause that's weird. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think it's all about, like you said, communicating you know, talking about your, your needs and your desires. And I think too, the more we've connected on our deeper desires and who we want to be individually, but also collectively as a couple and as a family, that's helped us to have a bigger vision for ourselves and what we want to do collectively. Mm -hmm. And I think it's helped us to connect more on that level rather than just going through the motions of the day. And, you know, like I just think about you starting your own business and how that was scary, but I knew the bigger vision of that and why it was important to you. And so I was able to fully support it. Mm. And as I was starting my own thing, you, you know, it took some time to get there, but you, you then like switched the light on and it was like, Oh, I totally get this and why this is so important. And then you're able to really like be kind of like ride or die for each other because you understand the why behind kind of like with the energy thing, like what is the why behind that? And why is that so important for them to need to have that to like shift energy or whatever? I think it's part of just getting to know yourself and each other. And as things change in your life, because I mean, also having kids changes things, you know, aging changes things, job changes things, you know, family life changes things. There's all kinds of changes that are going to happen in your relationship over time. But if you can continue to communicate and stay connected in that way, I mean, I think that is the very first step. 
Mm-hmm. I think too that we can get in any relationship, but specifically in a marriage, you can get so used to the status quo and used to things being the way they are. It's Wednesday night. We have sex on Wednesdays and we do missionary and that's what we do. And I always have to have a shower and brush my teeth and yeah, whatever. That's not our shit. I was just giving an example, but that that's a prime example of how we just get complacent within a relationship or a marriage. And so I think that we need to constantly be challenging each other and not, not in a way of like creating conflict, but just, you know, through curiosity and saying, Hey, why is it that we only have sex on Wednesdays? Why is it that we only try this one position? Would you be interested in trying out a different position or doing something else to spice this up a little bit more or going to a different date location instead of the same date that we do every single time. So I think that challenging each other to get outside of what your current status quo is, is very healthy. And the way to do that is like we said earlier through communication. And so it it also too, I think that this happens a lot and it is probably happened with us a, a good bit before, but if you're feeling something internally, just speak it. The other person's not going to kill you. It's not like they're, they're not going to murder you. If you have thoughts of like Katie or I have had hard conversations. We've had hard conversations about like having an open marriage or having, uh, you know, other partners or like we've had difficult conversations and they didn't go well. Cause it was like, this is on my mind and I'd like to say it. And you know, it, we had those conversations and we've worked through that. But yeah, like, would you add anything to that in terms of having the hard conversations? I mean, I think it also goes back to getting to know yourself and your intuition and following your intuition. I've never had my intuition steer me wrong as far as like when to bring up a difficult topic or, I mean, that's the whole reason that we talked about the affair to begin with, because I, I knew for months something was off and it obviously had been for years. And I finally got brave enough to bring it up and be like, what is really going on here? And, and then, you know, kind of by happenstance, it all came out, but I think it's because my intuition would not leave me alone and I had to listen to it. So when you like need to talk about something difficult I mean, I think it's, it's this trust in yourself that if this is really important to you and that it's a topic or something that keeps coming up for you, sure. There may be fallout from bringing it up, but the alternative is that you hold that inside and don't fully live into who you're supposed to be or explore something that you're supposed to explore. And so I think it's about listening to yourself and being courageous to speak out, even if it's something that might be really awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be with a number of different things to where, you know, you may be just thinking like, does this person love me still? I don't feel like they love me. And that can be hard news to hear, but if you don't have those conversations, like, you'll be five years down the road and be living out of that place of does this, you'll be living out of that place of that question of does, 
so-and-so love me. And you'll probably just torture yourself for five plus years rather than just having the question and actually asking it verbally out loud to the person. Well, and then maybe it turns into a conversation of, you know, how does each of you feel loved, right? Like there's this whole love languages thing and how do each of you receive love and, and can you learn more about that? And can you learn more about, you know, what brings that other person joy or pleasure or whatever it is that you need to figure out. But if you don't ask the hard questions, if you don't bring up, you know, how you're feeling, I mean, and it is, I will say like, it is one of the hardest, most vulnerable things. <laughs> like loving someone, like falling in love is easy. Truly loving someone and being vulnerable with them is, is hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you do a, a good job at it though, ma'am. You too, sir. Yes. I feel like we've, we've, I mean, it ebbs and flows, right? I mean, we go through, we go through seasons where it feels really good and connected. And then we go through seasons where it's like, what is happening right now? Like we, we Mm -hmm. need to reconnect. Right. Yeah. Katie's go-to question is we cool, man. We cool, man. We cool. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, we're cool. I just, this thing that we're talking about doesn't make sense to me. And I'm, I'm communicating that it doesn't make sense. And you know, Well, and I think there's also times where each of you may need to process something completely unrelated to each other. And I think what I used to do is if you were like feeling off or something was wrong and you didn't quite know what it was, or maybe you did and you just didn't know how to say it, I would like immediately internalize it and be like, oh, I did something wrong or he doesn't love me or, you know, and what I've come to learn is it's just like with anything, 95% of the time, like we're all thinking about ourselves. Like we're not thinking about other people, right? We're not like, Mm -hmm. so I think release yourself, you know, trust that if it's something with you, that they are going to tell you that it's something with you versus they may just need some space to work through their own internal feelings. Yeah. So what's your biggest hope for our marriage? That we can both just be as authentic and real and free in our, in all of our aspects of ourselves, our minds, our bodies, our spirits, that we can continue to explore and learn and grow individually, but also together and create impact in the world. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I think similar that we would be independent enough to where we are confident in who we are as individuals enough to where when we come together and we don't align together as a couple, we realize that it's totally fine. So if you're more into something that I'm just not as into, uh, you know, that I can realize that that doesn't necessarily have to impact me in a negative way that it can just be. And so seeing things less as good or bad, but more as just that they are. Mm. And then also just being able to continue to share the things that we've learned in the 15 years that we've been together, because you know, like the, the people who I photographed yesterday, they've been married for a day and we've been Mm. married for 15 years. And that's, sometimes you can kind of think of things as like, Oh, that's no big deal. We've been married 15 years. Wow. Like whatever, but it's, that's pretty amazing. And so 
I think we have a good bit to offer the world in that regard of what does it look like to be married for that long? Cause I tell people that and I get big eyebrows and big eyes when I, and I don't know if it's cause I look pretty young and people are like, how the fuck has that guy been married for 15 years? What did you get married when you were like 12? Yeah. <laughs> Was it an arranged marriage? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would love to continue to share our work with other people and provide value to people who haven't been married as long or, or maybe who've been married longer and are like, we're ready to throw in the towel. And, uh, you know, that's something that we, we do have in the works moving forward. So I, I think it's something that we can definitely continue to do and share with others. Yeah. And I mean, the last thing I would just say is we are not gurus on marriage we are guides. We are here to share our stories, our experiences, our fuck ups, our joys and celebrations with you. And we hope that we are bringing it in a way that's real and authentic and not like, Oh, we have all the great advice, but we also honor that we do have some little nuggets of things that we've worked through that could be helpful to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think this conversation has been great to sit down and just process some of these things that you, they're there, but if you don't have the conversations or if you don't sit with yourself to figure out what's really underneath, there's so many layers to things. And a lot of times we're just only willing to go about one layer deep and be like, Oh, that's yeah, that's the problem. But you know, I would encourage you to go several layers deep, ask yourself the tough questions and then, you know, communicate with your partner. Yeah. Like how do we become independent when we're already in a partnership? (laughs) I think that was something that came up that we may need to like do some more exploration with. Yeah. I need to write that one down. So thank you again for listening to story and growth. Your story matters. Cheers. Peace y'all. If you are continuing to dig these episodes, you can write us a review at Apple podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. If you want to pick up some of our merch, you can do so at allegorianelm.com slash shop. You can get a shoot the shit and be real hat or a tri-blend shirt. If you want to connect with us on Instagram, Katie is at Embrace Yourself Whole. Andrew is at allegorianelm. Thanks so much for listening. Your story matters. Cheers. Cheers.